0: Will you say that with me? Seed the clouds. Well, I'm grateful to be able to kick off this brand new series and just so thankful for each of those who have already participated uh, in what God has invited us to join Him in in this His Blueprint campaign. And uh, in fact, next Sunday, we will have up the board um, that continues to track the Lord's provision as the money comes in. And so some of you, if you already know what, Uh, You sacrificially, joyfully, willfully want to give, or what the Lord's asking you to give, and you haven't. Love for it to happen this week because I would love as we come in Sunday when we see the amount that Jesus has already provided in one month that we are just overwhelmed at God's faithfulness. Wouldn't that be amazing? Be amazing. Well, that will be up in the lobby next week as well. Well, if you want, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. This is going to be the foundational. text and scripture for what God has asked me to share today. Philippians 4 and verse 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want to teach a message today titled, Seed Cycle. Seed cycle. Cycle. If you have the Bible app, you can find under the events tab all of the notes for today's message or through our Instagram and social media outlets. It has been made available to you as well. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I ask that you would anoint me, that you would reveal Jesus to hearts and minds, that Jesus alone would be glorified. Make much of Him the mighty victorious Son of God. It's in His name I pray. Amen. Recently, it was that time in our youngest child's life. You say, what time is that, Pastor Chad? The time to learn to ride a bicycle without training wheels. I had been fortunate enough by God's help and grace to already have two of our children to ride a bicycle without training wheels, but it was recently our youngest time. And in our backyard, at the top of the backyard, right inside of the fence, there's a little flat spot, and from there, there is a decline. Uh, The yard goes down uh, slightly, and then eventually it levels off. What I've learned to do is to take the child and sit them on the bike at the very top. And get behind them and give them a little nudge and get that bike going slightly down that hill where the pedals and the wheels are automatically spinning, whether they are pedaling yet or not. And I ride behind them so that they can learn to get the balance, uh, you know, and get the feel of it. And then once we do that numerous, numerous times, and there's enough where I'm able to take my hand off a little bit. And there's no wrecks involved and they make it and they learn how to break and stop before they hit the other side of the fence by the house. Then what I do is I take them to a local park that has a track that's paved, concrete, that's flat. And I get them out there on the track and get behind them, give them a little boost, and they start pedaling on that flat surface. And as they pedal, they're getting the use to the balance I run behind them. And the way that I know that they have finally got it is when they're pedaling so fast around that track, I can't keep up. (laughs) And when that happens, I yell to them. I say, baby, now you're all on your own. Daddy can't keep up. You're going too fast. But that's how I've learned to train all three of our children to ride a bicycle without training wheels. Here in this new series, we're dealing with the issue, the theme of being stuck, being in a rut. And oftentimes when we're stuck, whether it's a dysfunction, whether it's a hurt, whether it's an attitude, whether it's a perception, whether it's character traits, oftentimes we're waiting or taking the posture, God, when or will you move? Sometimes when we're stuck or we're in a rut, we're seeking to answer the question, what am I to do? See, the hardest part of when you're in a rut, rut or you're in a negative cycle, when you want a new habit, you want a new experience, you want to experience change, the hardest part is starting. Just like I've learned with training my three children and getting off of training wheels and where they're free to ride the bicycle without it. The hardest part is starting. See, something has to change if you want there to be a change. What got you stuck can't get you unstuck. Let me establish three quick points. Number one, God created the cycle. In Genesis 1 and verse 11, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. On the earth, and it was so, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Notice... That in the creation account, the account of the beginnings of all that we know, that God initiated the cycle. God created the cycle. God established the cycle. Secondly, God assures us of the cycle. In Genesis 8 and verse 20 it said, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Watch this. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Genesis 9 verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the air and on all that move on the earth and on all the fish of the sea that are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. Now, the context of this you need to know. This is after the fall. This is after sin. This is after Adam's transgression and Eve's transgression of deception. This is after the global flood of Noah. And yet, God reassures us of the cycle. Even after sin, even after Noah's flood, God says, while the earth remains and the earth remains today, There is seed, time, and harvest, and I have given into your hand all things. So God created the cycle. God assures us of the cycle. And thirdly, God has given you the ability to activate the cycle. In Genesis 1 and verse 27, it says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed. Someone say, Seed. Which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. Someone say, Seed. To you it shall be for in Genesis God makes it clear in the book of the beginnings a couple things one that God has given the seed of man to be fruitful and multiply children and mankind on the earth God has given the seed of herbs and the seed of fruit to multiply food upon the earth God had given the seed of his word to Adam, he said, Of all the trees that I've made, you shall eat freely of any of them except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we see in the context of Genesis 3, the reality of the seed of thought from the enemy, the serpent, the devil. He comes to Eve and he said, Hath God said, begins to try to, through a seed a seed of thought, create thou. At the beginning of this process, and the process I mean, dwelling place movement in D.P., Woodstock. In the process of planting dwelling place church, you need to understand, if you're not familiar with church planning, that we are, for those who do study or understand church planning, is what's considered a parachute church plant. What that means is, is that the initial people that God called and started the church plant, my family, we parachuted in a sense into this community. We had no roots here. We had no family here. We had no friends here. We weren't from here. We had no business here. No businesses. No jobs here. We had no finances here. In that sense, we were parachute missionaries. Now, and those type of plants take longer because you have to begin to establish relational equity or relationships with people that you don't know and they don't know you to demonstrate your character, your integrity, the vision, what God's called you to. So in... 2012, we were in this beginning of the process of now what you see, experience, and are a part of today. So in this beginning of the process, I woke up from a dream. And in the dream, I was preaching. And I was preaching a message and preaching a topic that I had never preached before. So when I woke, I immediately jumped out of bed. And I grabbed a piece of paper on the nightstand by the bed and I grabbed a pencil and I immediately wrote down the points of what I was preaching in the stream. And I wrote down, seed the need. Need the seed. And feed on the seed. Now many days later, I sat down and began to prepare an actual message on the message that I was preaching in the dream and began to open up God's Word and look at those points. And as I did, the Word of God began to come alive and those truths began to expand so that I end up making it not into one message but an entire series titled The Seed. Over the next several months, then in 2012, I began to teach that series titled The Seed. In fact, they have a picture now uh, of this. Uh, series, I believe, that they'll put up that's um, available uh, on our ministry's webpage. But we began to teach through this. This was April of 2012. Now, what is significant about me telling you this today? Well, first, this is part of what God gave for the foundation of Dwelling Place Movement in DP Woodstock. This is part of the truth that God gave us. It's okay. She's coming, buddy. God bless Ezra. I love that little man. He's probably upset that he's not getting to hear what uh, we're teaching today. But this is what God gave. His Word was foundational for what He was calling Dwelling Place Movement in D.P. Woodstock too. Why else was this significant? It was significant because when God gave this to us, there was great vulnerability of us being stuck. Being stuck in a rut. Being stuck in the season we were in, in the beginning of the church plant, and stuck in a negative cycle. Why? Well, listen. Just weeks before this happened, I had had hernia surgery. Couldn't move a lot. I still would preach or... And, but couldn't move a lot. And on the week that I had hernia surgery, that weekend, everything that the church owned was in a 20-foot trailer, and the 20-foot trailer was stolen. Now, you need to understand that that might not mean a lot to you, but there's a reason that 80% of church plants in America do not make it past five years. Listen to me. The easiest time for the devil to stop something is at the beginning of it. At the beginning of it. Once there's momentum, and once there's more people, and more people manifesting Christ and praying and believing God, it's a lot harder. And so here we were in this vulnerable time, at the very beginning of what God had called us to believe Him for move forward in, and God gives us the seed. See, God has created the cycle, and God assures us of the cycle, and God has given us the ability to activate the cycle and God's Word is a type of seed. In Isaiah 55 and verse 10, God says through the prophet Isaiah, He said, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my Word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Notice what God says to the prophet Isaiah. He said, just like I give seed to the farmer, the sower, to provide food for it to accomplish and lead to a harvest of food, so shall my word be. I give my word as seed to a sower so that my word will accomplish and prosper in what I've sent it forth to bring forth. God has given you and I as followers of Jesus the ability to activate the cycle of the seed, to activate the seed cycle of His word. This is what we saw in Genesis 8 and verse 22 that God assures us, even after sin, even after the flood in the days of Noah, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. You and I as followers of Jesus are not just created to sow seed when we feel like sowing seed. We are created in Christ Jesus and we are called to be able to sow seed even when we don't feel like sowing seed. You and I as followers of Jesus are called to sow seed during seed time. Notice God says that there's seed time and harvest. What this means is, when you're in a rut, we want a different harvest. When you're in a rut, you want a different experience. When you have negative emotions, we want positive and different emotions. When we have dysfunction, we want the ability to function in the God-given way that He's called and created us to function. But you don't get a harvest, you don't get change before there is seed time. There is an order. There is an order. You say, well, Wait a minute, if I'm called to sow during seed time, when will I, Pastor Chad, know when seed time is? Let me make it very simple. When you have a need, just know it is seed time. When you are stuck, just know it is seed time. Seed time is any time you have a need. I'll say it again. Seed time is any time you have a need. Seed time is not the harvest, but there will be no harvest without seed time. Seed time is how you activate the seed cycle of God's Word. Notice it's seed time and harvest. And Scripture never designates the actual earthly time that it will take between seed time and harvest because listen, it's not dependent on earthly time. It's dependent of the testing and the process of faith. That's why it says there's cold and heat and winter and summer. It's our ability to respond and hold fast to the faith God's given us through the testing of the faith that determines the amount of earthly time it takes before the harvest happens. There is a process. process. That's what the book of James in the New Testament is about. And you and I have a great role to play regarding how long the process takes. Let's not forget today what the psalmist says in Psalms 103, that we would not forget all of His benefits that He daily bestows upon us. Do you know one of the benefits that you and I have here today? Is we have access to God's Word. Your access to God's Word gives you the ability to start the seed cycle. Your access to God's Word gives you the ability to start the seed cycle whenever you want. Now Jesus, our King, the King of the Kingdom, the Lord of Lords, the only one who is worthy of all praise and adoration. Listen, Jesus was the promised seed. In Genesis 3 and verse 14, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you, the devil, serpent, the enemy, and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let me do a little biology lesson. Women do not have physical seed. This is a reference to the divinity of the Messiah, the divinity of Christ and the reality of the necessity of the virgin birth. What it's saying is is that the Messiah is not the seed of man, He's the seed of God. Jesus and the virgin birth matters. It matters in our faith. It is a must regarding our faith. This was a promise God gave in the beginning right after sin. And Jesus was the promised seed. Jesus was the seed made flesh. Jesus was the Word of God made flesh. Look at this in John chapter 1. The gospel writer John in John 1 in verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 3. All things were made through Him. All means all when that's all that all means. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. Nothing was made without Him. And the Word, verse 14 of John 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen. Everything God does, He does through the seed His word. There is nothing that God does that He does not do through the seed of His word. All things were made through that seed through the word of God. And if you and I want something different to be made in our life and our experience and our character and our attitude and our emotions and our behaviors and our experience, it's only going to be made through the seed of God, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. God's Word has came down from heaven to give seed to the sower. The question you and I want to ask at this point is, will you recognize in the light of God's presence that you are created and called in Jesus to be a sower? Because God's given you seed to sow. And the New Covenant Scriptures begins or continues this theme. In 1 Peter 1, 23, the Apostle Peter says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. You and I are born again through faith in the seed. Through faith in the seed, Jesus Christ, you are born again. Now listen, this is what I mean when I say seed, faith. Relational trust, that's what faith is biblically, in the seed who is Jesus, the Word of God. You and I are born again through seed faith. We are born again through relational trust in the seed of God, Jesus, the Word made flesh. We're not just born again through seed faith, through faith in the seed, Jesus Christ, but we're complete. In the seed. Colossians 2 and verse 10 says, and you are complete in Him. And if you read right before that in Colossians 2, he says that in Him, in Jesus, is all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. Listen, all the knowledge you'll ever need regarding God's will, regarding life, all the wisdom you ever need to know how to walk the will of God and move forward is found in Jesus, the seed. So in Christ, the seed of God, we are given by God the ability to activate the seed cycle. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 4, our King and our wonderful Savior Jesus teaches, and He says, The sower sows the Word. We are called to be seed sowers. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 1.20 said, For all the promises of God, in Him, Jesus, are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. What does this mean? We have in the seed all the promises of God that are yes and amen in Him. We Think about this. We have in Jesus, the seed, promises of God that are little seeds that are yes and amen in Him. God has given us in the seed, Jesus, all the promises and little seeds you and I would ever need for life and godliness. That's why we're complete in Him. If the promises of God in Jesus are yes and amen, then why are you and I at times not experiencing them? Because watch this. It's seed time and then harvest. You can't experience them until seed time's happened. Therefore, you and I must learn how to seed the need. Now this brings us to our main scripture, Philippians 4.19, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, and my God, is he your God today, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice it's by Christ Jesus. In Philippians 4.19 in the New American Standard, it says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So notice It is by Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus. Let me talk about how to learn how to seed your need. Number one, or letter A, you need to know what your specific need is. You will find, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly asking people, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? In Matthew 20, verse 32, there were two blind men. Jesus stood still and He called them and He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Some of you, that's what Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? And we would be very wise to learn from the blind men to not take offense at that. You said, Jesus, you already know what I'm going through. I mean, you would think two blind men come before you, you would know what they need to receive their sign. Jesus knows what you need, but He needs you to know what you need. Because He wants to show you how He meets the need, and then when He meets the need, we don't give ourselves glory, but He gets the glory. In Mark 10, 36, James and John came to Him, two disciples, and He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? You and I have to know what our need is to answer Jesus' question. What do you want me to do for you? Listen, the idea that real biblical faith is ignoring the need is a lie. Biblical faith is not ignoring the need. Jesus wants us to acknowledge the need. Biblical faith is not denying that there's dysfunction, that there's hurt, that there's trauma, that there's wrong behaviors, wrong patterns of sin, the wrong attitudes, a wrong way of living. Jesus just wants us to acknowledge the need. Jesus asks you today, what is your specific need? In order to answer this question, oftentimes it's a process. That's why spending time with Jesus, the seed, is so important. Because you and I need to learn the difference between our needs and our desires. Because there are fleshly temporal desires, but there's also preferred ultimate desires that your born-again spirit has. This is very important. This is why you hear me repeatedly in different series and different messages, for years. Go back and find it, look at it. Constantly exhort and love you in this community the importance of having margin and space in your life and warning you about one of the biggest cuss words and curses in your life of busyness. Because without margin and being overextended and so busy you will not engage with Jesus enough to get to the root, to be able to answer that question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you ultimately want me to do for you? So A, know your specific need. B wants to understand that God is your source. God is the source of your supply. He is the supplier and He is a God of abundance. God is our source for everything that we need for life and godliness. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter 1. Whether it is a job, God is our source. Whether it's a financial miracle, God is our source. Whether it's a better marriage, God is our source. Whether it is friendships, God is our source. Whether it's joy, God is our source. Whatever you and I need for life and godliness, God is a source. That's what... the. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply. The job is not the supply. God is the supplier and He might use that job. If you think the job is the supply, you would be willing to compromise to keep what you think is the supply. But when you realize that God is the supplier, you don't have to compromise because God can choose any business He so chooses to be the means to get you the supply He has for you. And it's the same with friends and it's the same with all the needs that we have in life and godliness. Now let me give one clarification regarding this message. Today I'm talking about you getting unstuck. Today I'm talking about you experiencing the harvest God has for you. Oftentimes a lot of disappointment happens, a lot of hurt happens. Because there's wrong expectations and not yet the discerning ability to differentiate between faith to experience a harvest for us and faith and all of its distinctions dealing with other people, circumstances, cities, entire nations. Today I'm talking about your individual need and how to have your needs met by God through Jesus. Now you say, when well, I wait a minute, Pastor Chad, you just mentioned marriage. Marriage is not just me. Well, watch this though. If you have your need met the way God has it and you experience His change, that means the marriage has changed even if your spouse doesn't change. Because you, when you change, you bring change to the relationship know what your specific need is understand that God is your source the source of supply understand that God is going to supply it by Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus God is going to supply the answer to your need in and through Jesus the seed You remember what we read in the Gospel of John? John John said that all things were made through the seed, the Word of God. And without Him, the seed, nothing was made. If you need something made and created in your life, it is only going to happen through the seed, through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it would be wise for you and I as followers of Jesus to learn how to seed the need. It would be wise for you and I as followers of Jesus to learn seed faith. Faith, relational trust, in the seed of God, Jesus Christ. And in the little seeds, the promises that are yes and amen in Him. D, God's Word has come down from heaven to give seed to the sower. And those promises are yes and amen. It is absolutely vital that you and I understand that all Scriptures are testifying to the person of Christ, to a living Lord. That all Scriptures are testifying to what God wants to do in your life and what He has already made available for your life through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Listen, Scriptures are to be used with an understanding that the person they testify to is the way, the seed, to have God's source of supply come into your current need. See, oftentimes as we counsel and listen to brothers and sisters and fathers, people say, just like the man said in Scripture, that they believe God can. The problem is, is people when it comes to change and getting out a rut and expecting a different future for them, a different mindset, different attitudes, different emotional experience, different behaviors. The question that gets them stuck and staying in a rut is either, but will he or how will he? Listen, God has already answered how he will do it. The way is always through the seed of Jesus. Jesus, the seed, is always the way for the source of supply to show up in your current need. Without Him, nothing was made. You want a new attitude? You want new behaviors? You want new emotional experience? You want a new mindset? You want new character? You want whatever? Nothing God does is made or created without the seed, Jesus Christ. So listen, you and I, are not just putting scriptures or pieces of paper or words on a piece of paper into our area of need. We are putting the seed, Jesus, the resurrected, glorified Son of God who all scripture testifies to into our need. Think about that. And Jesus is the one who's overcame all things. We're not just putting ideas or just scriptures or or just ink on a from a piece of paper into our need. We're putting the very seed of God, Jesus Christ, who embraced everything we were. Every hurt, every wrong, every trauma, every pain, every negative emotion, every failure. He became it, took it on the cross, buried it, and was raised to demonstrate He has the power for us to experience a new harvest. The Scriptures are testifying about the Word of God, about the seed of God that you need to invite and learn how to sow and seed into your current need. All New Testament Christianity has got to be seen through a relational context with the seed, the seed of God Jesus. And Paul says that our whole life in the New Testament is now learning to live by faith, learning to live in relational trust to the seed of God that's came down from heaven, Jesus Christ. So this is what I mean when I say seed faith. Relational trust in the seed of God, Jesus, and the promises, the little seeds that are in Him, yes and amen. And then lastly, E, you got to put Jesus in the center of your need. you got to learn how to seed the need. You have to seed faith the need. Listen, biblical faith leads to corresponding actions and corresponding expressions. Is that not what planting a seed is? In fact, I got some seeds in my back pocket here. This this is a sunflower seed. And I actually have uh, some neighbors uh, not far from me down the street. They have a little small little plot of land uh, out close to the main road, and uh, once a year they plant sunflower seeds and create a sunflower garden. Is that not the main point of planting a seed? That it's an act of faith that in the seed is everything that's needed for the harvest to come. When you plant the seed, it's an act of trust. It's an action that you believe in the seed is all that's needed to lead to what you hope for. And watch this. Hebrews, the writer, Hebrews 11 says, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance. Faith is the seed of things hoped for. The seed of a sunflower is what? The hope of a sunflower. An orange seed is the substance of what you hope for, an orange tree that produces oranges. An apple seed is the substance of what you hope for, an apple tree that produces apples. See, listen, biblical Christianity is not just us coming and getting encouraged and excited once a week to make it to the next week. Biblical Christianity is that we have access to the kingdom of God. And Jesus said the kingdom of God's like a seed. If you want to not just get excited and encouraged week to week, but actually have a different harvest and a different experience, then you're going to have to learn what I'm saying and what Scripture tells us about learning seed faith and how to seed the need. Faith is the substance of what you hope for in the future. That's why Jesus teaches faith as a seed. It's like a seed. That's why He says the kingdom of God is like a seed. This seed is the substance for what I'm hoping for, a sunflower. And when you plant it, you're trusting that God will cause it to grow. And so... You plant it in your garden bed. You get up the next morning and you're confident. Trusting. That in that promise is the substance to lead to what you're hoping for in the future. Faith is the substance of things you hope for. That's why Jesus said you don't have to have a lot of faith. You just have to have faith like seed. And you get up and you look in your garden bed and you don't see the harvest yet, but you don't go out there and say, now wait a minute, and start digging and dig it up through unbelief. No, you say, your friends come over and they look out in your bed and they say, man, there's nothing there. You say, oh, yeah, oh yes, there is. There's something there. It's been planted. You just can't see it yet. And you hold fast to your confession to what has been performed. See, listen to me. Regardless of the personal need you're currently facing and regardless of the way God has promised to meet that need through Jesus Christ, the big seed, your response, my response, our response is always to be this. Seed the need with biblical faith. with biblical faith. When I have a need, my response is always to be to seed the need with biblical faith. Now Jesus teaches us this in Matthew 17 and Luke 17. Notice what He tells and teaches. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I'm not a geologist by any means, but a mountain is something that definitely can keep you from progressing. A mountain is something that can definitely keep you in a rut, in a negative cycle, and keep you from moving forward. And Jesus says, if you have faith like a seed, you will say. Now, let's look at Luke 17, 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now let me just give a reflection here. Obey you, he's correlating and attaching what he's teaching here back to Genesis 1 that he's given you dominion on the earth. And the way God gave us dominion, if you go back and look, is through the seed. Through the seed. He gave seed to the sower. He gave seed to us. That's how we were to experience dominion. Now, mulberry tree, the reason why we see the tree above the ground is because there's roots below the ground. Some of you, the reason you're seeing what's above ground in your life, in your character, in your dysfunctional patterns, in your behaviors is because there are roots, mindsets, trauma, hurts, emotions, wrong memories, residue from your old life before Christ in the unseen called your soul and the roots in the unseen is what enables there to be a mulberry tree in the seen. And Jesus says that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the tree, be uprooted. Meaning, the pattern and the habit that you're stuck in can be uprooted and removed. God can have a different harvest for you. If you have faith as a seed, Jesus says, you can or you will say, What's he teaching here? Here's what he's teaching. Don't miss it. Biblical faith always has corresponding expressions and actions. I might have presumption. I might have hope. I might have a wish. I might have a desire. But it's not biblical faith until there's corresponding expression or actions. This is what James 2.12 teaches. Now let me just say, because some people get nervous here, and there's no need to get nervous. The only reason people get nervous here is when you're not secure in your identity in Christ and your acceptance with your Heavenly Father. When you're secure in your identity in Christ and you're secure in God's acceptance of you as His child, then you are not so nervous and fearful of failure or the process of learning Meaning there's times I go into trials or seasons in life and the trial and the season, just like when you go to school, the teacher gives a test and the test reveals that I don't know all that I think I know. I don't have all the character that I think I have. And the only reason to get nervous when I, don't, when I have revealed that I don't have all the substance of biblical faith that I need is when I'm not secure in my identity in Christ and that the Father already loves me and He just did this to reveal to me An area that He's got grace to fill the gap. That He's got grace to bring change and to give faith for a different harvest. So in James 2.12 it says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Notice there's a link. So speak and so do. That's the needed faith link between our speaking and our linked actions. Did you know that the law of liberty, part of that means God's given you the freedom and the liberty? to activate the cycle whenever you want? You have the liberty. God's not going to make you. Why do brothers and sisters all around, some experience more of the harvest and the will of God and the promises of God than others? It's not because God is just playing favorites. It's because people have learned to activate the ability that God's given them to start the seed cycle, to seed time and then harvest. God will not make you experience everything the blood of Jesus purchased for you if you don't want to learn how to experience what the blood of Jesus purchased for you. James continues in James 2.20. He says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now this is very important to understand. The word dead there in the Greek means destitute of force. Come on, Jesse. Destitute of power, inactive, inoperative, lifeless without life. So listen, faith without works is without the force or the power or the life. Faith without works is inactive or inoperative, meaning it will not bring about the harvest, it will not remove the mountain, it will not uproot the roots of the mulberry tree. It will not get you unstuck. The fruit of our lips that does not link with corresponding action and actions of faith will not work. It breaks that link and it slows down the process before the harvest comes. Listen, listen, listen. This is We're not talking about just positive confession. You can go get that New Age kind of stuff. No, no, listen, listen. We're not speaking trying to get faith. What Jesus teaches is if you have faith even as small as a seed, you will say or you can say. Listen, we speak different because we have faith. We don't speak different trying to get faith. We speak different. We praise God. We thank God. We Because we have faith. Listen, listen. We don't try to act different to get faith. We act different because we already have faith. We practice righteousness not to try to be righteous. We practice righteousness because we are righteous. Hallelujah. So there's seed time and harvest. And we can't get a harvest. We can't get unstuck. We can't experience the change until seed time happens. In seed time, you got to know your need, and you got to learn how to seed faith, how to seed the need by faith. And faith always leads to correlating actions or expressions. You don't, if you planted the seed in your plot, in the next day you don't see the change. Say, "Oh my gosh, the seed wasn't planted." No, no, no. You would say. I planted the seed there and I trust that God put in that seed the ability that's needed for it to lead to the harvest. Orange seed, oranges. Sunflower seed, sunflowers. You trust God. To begin to make it grow. See, listen, nothing's wrong with the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, but it must be sown by faith into the need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. When we have a need, when you have a need, when I have a need, when we're in a rut, when you're in a rut, when we desire a change in an attitude or an emotion or behavior, listen, the question you and I need to learn to ask is how can I plant the seed of faith by correlating action and confession? Here's Alana learning to ride her bicycle without training wheels. The hardest part, hardest part is starting. Some of you haven't learned how to live out biblical faith to access the, the harvest of God's promises that are yes and amen. You're a believer. You're a child of God. But you haven't learned the process of seed time and harvest. So you're just passively, passive, been in a rut for years, a dysfunction of years, carrying around hurt for years, saying, God, when will you deliver? God, when will you come? That's not how the kingdom works. He's given His word as seed to the sower. God sees you as a sower. He's provided you seed. You have the ability to activate the cycle. The hardest part of a new habit is starting. and listen, context matters. That's why I didn't take Alana first to the track. Or I didn't take Alana to, to start where she had to go uphill. So some of you, you've been in the test race, you've been in a circumstance, and all that's revealed is that in this area, you've not yet learned to receive from Jesus the seed, faith, relational trust, how to navigate this need, what you're facing. Any good teacher doesn't want the student to fail. So they teach again. They provide another test. They they want, in the end, the student to get it and to live it. How much more perfect Father? Jesus great, the great rabbi, the great teacher. So context matters. For some of you listen to get the harvest, that's why being in a community that believes this, is so important. Because it says seed time and harvest, and in between, listen, there's going to be cold and heat. And there's going to be the chance for you to get bitter, because the enemy's going to come. Because the Bible says when the word is sown immediately, tribulation comes. The enemy will come to steal the seed that God sown into you. That's why He looks whom He may devour. He looks for people that gets out of the context that will support them during the process towards the harvest of what God has for them. Let me tell you what else matters the hardened attitude. But I told Alana, it's the first time if she would fall down or the second time and she would start getting frustrated, angry at herself or mad, I say, now baby, listen, Daddy will stay out here all day with you because you're going to get this. But if you start getting angry and start whining and complaining and negative, we will be done for today. Listen, because attitude matters and the heart matters in this process. Complaining slows down the harvest. Whining and murmuring slows down the harvest. It's like throwing rocks into the garden. It's like inviting the enemy to come in and have all these snakes and hindrances. Who you have surrounding you matters in the process. That's why this church matters for your harvest, for God's plan and purpose for your life. Let me tell you what else matters. Relational trust matters you know who Alana had out there with her in her process she had daddy she had daddy who could assure her baby I know you don't see it yet or think it yet but daddy's done this with his other children some of you feel all alone in what you're facing in the rut in the cycle and listen daddy is right there with you just like I was with Alana and he's trying to assure you listen I have done this with other brothers and sisters for centuries. Learn that Daddy can be trusted even in this. Even in this. As the band come, listen, lastly now, Alana knows how to ride her bike without bicycle or training wheels and she knows now how to ride her bicycle. Listen, listen, listen. She can at any time activate her bicycle. I don't make her. I don't wake up every day and say, now baby, are you going to go and open the garage and get your bike out and ride your bicycle? No, no, no. It's there. And for some of you, God has built into you relational trust and you've seen some of the promises of God that are yesterday men harvested in your life and right now he's saying again I need to remind you, I need to remind you that I've given into your hand all things you need for life and godliness that you have the ability in Christ to activate the seed cycle but in order to get out of the rut and experience the change and experience the transformation the victory I have for you, there's got to be seed time and so you and I right now need to say, Lord how can I Seed the need through seed faith. How can I, through correlating action and expression, demonstrate I'm trusting the seed Jesus in this area? See, something has to change if you want there to be a change. What got you stuck can't get you unstuck. And God's given seed to the sower. You can start the seed cycle. Now, lastly, listen, it won't feel natural. A lot of people don't start the seed cycle or they don't continue in the seed cycle because they have no emotions motivating them. Let's think about this. Of course you don't have no emotions. You can't have emotions about something you've never done before. It, that's why it's called a new habit, a new attitude, a new behavior. And because it's new, there's not already emotions attached to what is new. It won't feel natural. Because it's not natural to your experience up to this point. Listen, that's why it's not called seed filling. It's called seed faith. It's not that the just will live by feeling; It's the just will live by faith. The hardest part is to get going. That's why without faith we can't please God. And you know what pleases God? For you to get the harvest that He wants for you. The change that Jesus purchased for you some of you today, you see clouds. Some of you today, all you feel is the effects of the clouds of the season are over your life. Some of you, you're living in the pattern of the clouds. But listen, God has me here to remind you as your pastor that He's given you the ability to seed the clouds. He's given seed to the soul. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.